0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Is your life reflecting the will of God? Let's say that another way. Are you doing the things that God has called you, commanded you to do? A person who truly is a believer who has received the light of God's truth, who is in a covenantal relationship with Messiah. His life, for the most part, is going to reflect obedience to the instructions, the words of God. Take out your Bible and look with me to John's first epistle. And now we're ready for chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, in this first verse, we're going to see what should be the normative experience for a disciple of Messiah. I say normative because this is what God expects. This is how believers behave. But, as we're going to see, this speaks about the vast majority of time. But there's always that exception. Notice what he says in, in verse 2. now he says my children and it's just that children if your Bible says sons it does not translate this word properly this is a word that speaks about a family relationship it is a word of great endearment of love of fellowship and therefore John this one who wrote this epistle Is writing with great love with great concern speaking to them as a leader speaks to someone that he loves significantly one that he wants only the good for and he writes here my children these things I write to you in order that you should not sin that's what's normative a believer one who has been brought into the family of god should not sin and this revelation what john is teaching but in a general sense the revelation of god the word of god teaches us how to obey how to do the will of god so he says my children these things i write to you in order that you should not sin and if someone should sin so it's not speaking about the fact that to be a true believer you you live a perfect life you never sin no there are times that we do sin but sin should not characterize our life our life should not be full of sin it should be the exception not the norm but he says here and this is good news And if someone should sin, we have, who's we? Believers, those who are in that new covenant relationship with God. If we should sin, he says, we have, and this is a word for an advocate. It is a word that refers to a lawyer, someone who represents us. And of course, this one who represents us, is also and this is what's so marvelous is that messiah he is the defense attorney but he's also the judge the scripture says all issues of judgment god the father has given to his son so we can have once again we talked about this last week we can have assurance we can have confidence that our sins have been forgiven and if we should sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And who is that? Messiah Yeshua, the righteous one. He's all about righteousness, and that's what he secured for us. Now, last week, in this first chapter, I mentioned to you that there was this perfect intimacy between God the Father and God the Son. There was never a time that they were not together we talked about how john in his gospel the same john how he wrote in the gospel that that he speaking of yeshua and god the father are one if you have seen me yeshua says you have seen the father for my father and i are one but there was just that momentary separation when messiah he became sin for us we talked about when our sins were were placed upon him when he was on the cross he became sin he who knew no sin became sin for us he paid the penalty but in the same way that that his sinfulness our sinfulness let's get this right in the same way that our sinfulness was placed upon him his righteousness this one who never sinned his righteousness was placed upon us he's all about righteousness and therefore because our righteousness is imputed to us from him we can be assured and that's why we see here that this advocate this one who speaks in our behalf he says that that this one is Messiah Yeshua the righteous one and he what is he secured for us Well, it's an important word. If your Bible says atonement, it's not the Greek word for atonement. It's something better than atonement. Many of the Bibles in English will say the propitiation. Now, propitiation, it doesn't just cover up the sin. That's what atonement does. It covers it up. But it's still there. And judgment is still in the equation as long as it's covered judgment is is set aside but when it's uncovered judgment will come not so with propitiation propitiation is a a type of redemption a synonym for that concept which just doesn't cover it up but it erases it 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 annihilates it destroys so there's no longer any any sin that can be charged against us so the good news is is this he's our advocate because he's done the work of propitiation he has redeemed us from all of our sin notice what it says in in this verse verse 2 and he is the propitiation of of our sins and then he says something that's marvelous but not only concerning our sins but also concerning the sins and this is the implication of the whole world now what does that tell us well there's no other way to understand it messiah's death was not a limited atonement as some teach in fact it is improper ultimately to think of messiah's work as atonement it goes beyond that it is the work of redemption and that work of redemption was not limited in any way it was complete his work did entirely what god wanted the scripture says in john 3:16 also same author for god so loved the world not just some of the world not just some elect but god loved all human beings and he loved them so that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him and here's the key this believing allows us to receive that propitiation that redemption but the work was sufficient for all the sins of the world for everyone so, if you are in a congregation that teaches a limited atonement concerning Messiah, that he only died for the elect, that is based upon this verse and others. It is an unscriptural, it is not a true theological position. It is false. Once more, and he is the propitiation concerning our sins, but not concerning our sins alone. But also concerning the whole world. Verse 3. And in this we know that we have known him. Now, this word for knowing something is being repeated. And it's very important when it speaks about knowing him, it's in the perfect meaning. We've known him in the past, we know him today, and that knowledge will continue into the future so if someone says I have known him if this is a case notice what it says and his commandments he should keep there is a, a evidence a testimony when one knows Messiah that one who knows Messiah is going to want to keep his instructions his commandments his revelation to us In other words, we're going to want our new creation, this regeneration, we are a new individual born again. We are going to, by that new nature, want to obey, to keep his commandments. So verse four says, the one who says, I have known him, meaning I've known him in the past, I know him now and I'll forever know him. But he says his commandments he does not keep, He doesn't want to. He's not interested. He's not committed to that. He does not keep. He says, this one is a liar. And in this one, the truth is not. So notice the connection here. John writes in a very specific way. He writes to tell us that there is a connection between receiving the truth and that truth is going to give you a desire going to give you a burden, going to give you a commitment to obey. Now again, that's the normative. That is the predominant experience. Will there be at times, unfortunately, when one will turn aside for a moment and there's sin, there's some act of disobedience? Yes, we're still human. But as we grow and mature, that should become less and less the reality of our life it should be the exception of our life not the rule not the normative and this is what he's saying here the truth of god makes a difference. that message that he was speaking about last week that was proclaimed it makes a difference. it brings about a change a godly change which is manifested through obedience, the obedience of keeping his commands. And, and let me just simply say that, that the command that's going to be acknowledged here is one that's rooted in the Torah. Those who teach, oh, Messiah, he, he gave a totally different set of commandments. In fact, all of those are, are the ones in the Old Testament are done away with, not important, not for us but we just have a a, a few others this is false teaching notice what the scripture is going to do and it's when we look at all the scripture and here I could say all the New Testament this truth that I'm going to share with you is is supported it's validated let's move on look if you would to to verse five but whoever it says keeps keeps his word Truly, in this one is the love of God, and the love of God is perfected. Meaning, this the love of God works out and brings to the end of what God desires for that person. He manifests the end, the results that God wants. So, look again, verse 5 and whoever shall keep his command, truly in this one, this one who's keeping the love of God is is perfected. Now, we see something. We see a connection between love and the commandments. That shouldn't surprise us. If I were to ask you, what did Messiah say was the greatest commandment? You all know this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What was the one who was like it What we could say expresses that love we have for God the Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Loving our neighbor as ourselves. Remember that. Because Paul says in Galatians, he writes that that we can say all the Torah in one sentence. Love your neighbor as yourself. It characterizes, it personifies in action what the Torah speaks of, love love for another and that motivation to love another is because we've experienced the love of god and we love him as messiah says in matthew we show our love for god by loving the least of our brethren that's who we are now so once again he talks about how the the love of god is made perfected it accomplishes it produces the end result and then he writes verse verse 5 second part in this one or in this we know that that we are in him in this fact it confirms it manifests and the fact that the love of God is being perfected in our life that we walk in obedience to his instructions his words his commandments it says in this we know that in him we are it manifests that reality of that relationship with the living god through messiah verse six the one saying in him now the point here in john's writing a little bit uh, choppy chopping our translations but not in greek he says the one who is saying in him meaning he is in him he has a relationship, that covenant relationship. If one says that, then he goes on and says, such a one, look at verse, verse 6, such a one ought to remain, meaning he ought to remain in this condition. And how does he do that? He says, just as that one, who's that one? Messiah. Just as that one should walk, also he thus should walk. Which means what? There should be a similarity. There should be a a continuity. When we look at how Messiah lived when he became flesh, we should imitate him, be like him, do the things that he did. And what didn't he do? He did not sin. We mentioned that several times. He was without sin. What does that mean? He never violated the commandments of God. He came, took on human flesh, and he submitted himself perfectly to the commandments of Moses. And the commandments of Moses still, in this day that we're in, it still gives us the framework for knowing what is righteous and thereby knowing what's unrighteous. I can promise you this. When you set aside the commandments of Moses and you say they're not important, little by little, sin is going to manifest itself in our life. What does Paul teach in Romans? Paul's teaching to believers. And Paul says the purpose of the law. And there's several, but he says the primary purpose for us is that sin still manifests itself by the violations of law which means this the Torah still has a purpose of manifesting sin in our life it's when I study each of these commandments under the leadership of the Holy Spirit looking at that law that commandment that Moses wrote down that he received from God the Father that God wrote down with the finger of God the scripture says when I study those commandments it manifests airy in my life that that are not pleasing to god that causes me to walk now by faith and not by sight not in the flesh so once again look at the text he says in verse six the one who says in him that he's in him he ought to remain just as that one walked he also thus should walk so lifestyle is important are we are we saved by by lifestyle by obedience no we are not but having been saved our lifestyle is going to demonstrate our relationship with him it is going to speak whether we're in him and not and let me just simply say theologically i'm speaking about many different passages that we find in the new covenant primarily those ones who were written by paul paul reveals how many wonderful benefits there are because we are in messiah over and over he uses that term in messiah and there's so many wonderful things that come as a result of being in him look now to to verse seven he says brothers and this means brothers and sisters both in hebrew and in greek oftentimes the masculine plural implies either all men or a mixed group, men and women alike. So he says, brothers, many would say brethren, which is more inclusive, brethren, not a new commandment I write to you. Now, I would highlight that because this is important. Those who teach, well, we need to unhitch ourselves from from the commandments of the Old Testament. What is John saying here? Don't do that. That is a false teaching. That is dangerous. And we're going to understand a wonderful conclusion in a moment to being a new covenant believer, being endowed with that Holy Spirit, that indwelling Spirit in our life, and what He does and the changes that He brings in our life. Look again at verse verse 7. Brethren, not a new commandment I write to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning, meaning the beginning of God's revelation to man. So he says, not a new commandment, but an old commandment. I I write to you, one that you've had from the beginning. He says, the old commandment is the word. This can mean this revelation, that that you have heard from the beginning now if you have been paying good attention you have seen at least three times since we began our study of the book of of first john an emphasis within verses concerning the beginning and the beginning speaks about god's revelation to man which reveals his purpose So it goes back to something that that is before the preaching of the gospel, before the earthly ministry of Messiah. And it speaks about the objective of God. So he writes here, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And then notice what he does in verse 8. Now, he just told us twice, not a new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. So he says, not a new. But what is he going to do in verse 8? <laughs> he's going to say something that may surprise us. He says, again, a new commandment I write unto you. Now wait. Didn't he just say, not a new commandment? Now he's saying, a new commandment? Isn't that confusion? Isn't that, that uh, conflicting? No, it's not. It is neither confusing or conflicting when you understand his intent. What he's saying is this. It is only through the ministry of Messiah Yeshua that we can take those old commandments and they become new. It is only through, and this is big, it is only through being a new creation in Messiah, having his spirit, dwelling in you the holy spirit that it can take that that old law that that wrongly people thought were outdated useless not for us done away with and it can make it into a new commandment meaning this that only we who walk in the spirit have the power the potential to to fulfill the righteousness of the law that's what paul says in romans chapter 8 verse 4 So it's through this new creation that we become, through faith, through that message, through what Messiah did, his redemption, that we can take the old and make it into new. And that word new relates to the kingdom. So it makes the old commandment a new covenant, a new kingdom experience. He says, again, a new commandment I write to you which is true here it is true how in him and the implication is in him alone and in you now why is it in him alone it's when we are in him only then do we have the potential to take that that old testament commandment and apply it with the leadership of the holy spirit and make it something that relates that manifests the righteousness of the kingdom of God only a disciple of Messiah can do that so it's true in him he always carried out the the righteousness of the law he displayed it perfectly and what it's saying is this we because we are in him we also that new commandment is going to be in us as well so that we can display the righteousness of God's revelation by behavior not something so spiritual something symbolic no something that is tangible it produces the righteousness of God which manifests the glory of God so it is true in him he lived it this way and in us we should as well verse 8 second part because the darkness for us has gone away and the true light already shines where does that true light shine in our lives how through our behavior it is our behavior when we and don't miss this it is when we rightly apply the word of God all of God's word including Mosaic law when we take that having been renewed in the spirit walking in the newness of life walking in the the regeneration of the spirit only we no one else can do this only we can take all of god's word and find the relevancy that god placed in that command placed in that instruction so that we can express the righteousness it's for us that is the testimony that we have and this is what he's saying here in the middle verse 8 when he says because there's no darkness why not he says because the darkness has gone away and the true light already through salvation through the receiving the holy spirit that that true light already shines verse 9. the one who is is in the light and his brother hates it says here in the darkness he is until now so the one who says look at what he says the one who says in the light he is and his brother he hates he's not in the light he is in the darkness until till now until now there's been no change in him But he goes on to say in verse 10, the one who loves his brother, this is the real one who is in the light. Look again, verse 10, the one who loves his brother in the light, he does what? He remains and a stumbling block or offense. Now, it's where we get the English word for scandal, something that is scandalous, shameful, And that scandalous behavior can be a stumbling block. It can offend others. And what he's saying here is this whole verse, verse verse 10. The one who loves his brother in the light, he remains. And there's no offense, nothing scandalous in him. So there's not, it's not something that is scandalous in him verse 11 but this one very important the one who hates this one who hates his brother where is he he's the one who is in darkness and in darkness he walks now what does that mean it means that he is not utilizing truth he is not not taking hold of the revelation of god he is not acting in light of this message that that john has said we have shared that we have revealed that we proclaim no this one is still in darkness now go back to something that we've mentioned previously when we looked at chapter one we talked about how light brought about god's order light brought about a change in creation So that creation could be in the state that was well-pleasing to God, that God would say, behold, it's very good. Do you not want God to say to you, when he examines you, behold, you are very good, well done, I'm well-pleased with this, my servant. That's what every true believer wants to hear. And what he's telling us is this until the light that is the truth the revelation of god we take hold of and we apply to our life until we do that we're not going to have order what are we going to have darkness so here's what it comes down to you are either going to be walking in light that is being led by the truth of god being submissive to all of his instructions where do we find his instructions in the scriptures or we will not respond to that invitation we will remain in darkness and instead of loving and seeing that love being perfected in us as we saw in this this study what's going to happen we're going to remain in darkness the truth will not be in us there will be no light and what's going to happen instead of seeing love perfected and loving our our neighbor what are we going to do We are going to do just what it says here, last verse, verse 11. But, meaning in contrast to the one who's loving his neighbor, he says the one who hates his brother. Now, this change from loving your neighbor to brother. It's simply a a different way of saying the same thing. It is most significant that John, in this section of chapter 2, He is writing and referring to unquestionably the foundation of the Torah, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. He just makes it more personal, your brother, in in regard to the fact that we're supposed to be one. So he says, The one who hates his brother, in darkness he is, and in darkness he walks, and he does not know where he goes. What does that mean? well if you're walking and you don't know where you're going you are confused and this is the outcome of darkness it leads to confusion in every sense of that word physical confusion emotional confusion spiritual confusion you're simply not going to have leadership truth a perspective whereby you can exercise and here's one of the great outcomes the ministry of the holy spirit the ministry of the holy spirit he gives us discernment we can make god-pleasing decisions but the one who's darkness it says here the one who's in darkness he does not know where he goes because the darkness the darkness has blinded his eyes now i'm going to close with a question and that's this have you chosen darkness when you forsake god's instructions when you forsake the commandments of god saying i'm not interested see as a believer we and only we have the potential having the the benefit of the ministry of the holy spirit we can take that that old covenant law and give it a kingdom connection a kingdom fulfillment When we do what? Being led by the Spirit. We walk in a way that fulfills the righteousness of the law. That is our call. That manifests light. And it's a powerful testimony. And it's when we, and hear this, it's when we have such a testimony that we are going to see others being influenced by our life. And that influence is going to produce eternal consequences, eternal consequences that are going to be a source of eternal joy and gladness and happiness. It is only with the truth of God being submissive and recognizing his authority that you're going to have a meaningful life with eternal implications that produces that which is going to be joyful forever and ever. Good news from John. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch